When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Good evening and welcome to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. Jay Watson with you all the way through till 10pm. We've got the West Ham guys with us until 8.30. It's the first one of the new year, so lots and lots to catch up on. Plenty of games, plenty to go ahead to. And also it is the month of January, which means, of course, lots of transfers. And I feel in particular always West Ham feel busier busier than most. Uh, delighted to say I've got James Jones from West Ham World and Will Pugh from Balls on the Line in the studio with me this evening. Guys, good evening. How are we? We well? Good evening, yeah, gents. Yeah, very well. Did we did we manage to take in and enjoy the festive football? Or not really? How, how did we feel about it? Did we get properly emerged in it? Right, James, I think you better go first because <laughs> I might have a little bit more of a negative slant. Oh, on no. It. All right, no, I, I tried to watch as much as possible. Managed to get to a game on Boxing Day. Yep. To uh, I went to Bournemouth v Barnet, nice. big local Hertfordshire derby. So I managed to soak that in and nice like that. We love a bit of non-league here. Exactly. Love sport. Yeah. So I mean, I, I watched as much as I could, as much as the wife would let me. So yeah, yeah that's the thing, isn't yeah. it? You know, it's it's brilliant having all this much football, but you know, if there is that, then I was going to say issue. Um, but if you've got that. Um, problem of having wife and children <laughs> you've then got to find that balance it makes it a little bit more challenging doesn't it that's right yeah, yeah. yeah. compromise saying can i watch the football if i do this if i do that and then can i go and watch football for a exactly, couple of hours yeah 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 well, i found out i had a bit more time over christmas strangely you sort of get quite into it during uh during the year try and watch as much as you can but went back to my hometown had a bit of time to see my friends so uh, a bit of time down the pub watching the football yeah quite the uh what better way to spend your time so, so what's, what what's the opinion then the negative one on well, it's it's more. Let's hear it. Get it off your chest. It's just. I mean, we've. It was such a good run, and you know, we were really excited before Christmas, weren't we? Yeah. When we were talking about the game. You know, we were sitting there all impressive ourselves, saying the next run of games going to define the season, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Started so well, four wins on the spin. Yeah. 
And it just, in almost typical West Ham fashion, it's just sort of, it hasn't ground to a halt. And I know we got the draw against Brighton after being two down, yeah, and it's yeah. important to think of the positives. But the Burnley and the Watford results, they were just, they were still games you should have won. Like, if you standalone games, regardless of the run of uh, results, we had either side of that. Yeah. And I just think it's a, it's a real disappointment because they, they are points lost if you look at them as standalone rather than in that run. I think their points dropped there. And I know the energy levels yeah. etc but it's just there's something that's just narking at me about those two I, results I know what you're saying um, after the Watford game because our last show was just before the Watford game wasn't it, before, it yeah. before the winter break so uh, and we were on the back of four wins in a row so we were all going you know we were on a high going into that game but then then again I walked out of that stadium I wasn't even surprised that we'd lost that because mm. it was a very typical West Ham thing to do you know you, you're on a real high you've won four in a row and then you're at home against Watford who weren't in great form going into that game so it was like it was written in the stars that we were going to lose it. Yeah, but lads, you just won four on the spin, right? Yeah. And then you lose to Watford, who, by the way, are eighth in the league. You do realise you can't win every game, right? No. But, <laughs> but, but, but then again, we followed that up with a great win at Southampton. Yeah. But it was a brilliant mm. win. Again, coming from behind to, to win that. So it kind of weighed... Because that, that was a game I was, I was particularly worried about. You know, they were on a bit of a new manager bounce. New manager, yeah. Um, their manager looks like he's he's going to eventually get him playing, getting a little bit more consistent mm. consistency with a style of play. They just got to buy into it a little bit more time. But I really thought, you know, that's going to be a really difficult game, and you know, we went and won that. And then, you know, the Burnley game was the Burnley game again. I wasn't surprised we lost that because, it's, again, it's a very West Ham thing to do. We normally do all right at Turf Moor, so I was a little bit yeah. more little confident and positive about that. And even even the Brighton game after that, a, a two-all was sort of. Again, you see it 2-0 down, coming back. There's yeah. positives to take out of that. I just, it was just on the whole, I think it's disappointing. I think we could have got even more out of that. And I think those those run of four wins, although they were impressive, I think for me they just balance out the very mm. poor start to the season we had, don't they, really? Well, we needed lost. it, didn't we, after yeah. that? Because, you know, had we not gone on that little run, then we'd be in a, a lot of trouble right now. Yeah. But now we're, what was it, five points off sixth still? You know, we probably would be sick had we not lost those two games in the yeah. league. So. And that is the thing, it, the, the the way the league is set up, pretty much from 7th at the moment, Leicester down to Brighton in, in 13th. That's sixth, that 7th place spot and effectively potentially a European place. Now, I know you've had your fingers burnt a, a little bit in, under previous years, but it's still something you'd want to go for, is it not? Well, we've said this on the show previously that you know, if we get into Europe, it's got to be directly into the group stage. Because of what's happened previously, we mm. we lost to Astra two years in a row in the yeah. in, in the qualifiers. So never forget. And it, it's not it's just not good for any football club starting starting a season at the in the second of July, which you know Everton and Burnley have both um, experienced that over the last two seasons. We've had to do qualifiers early July, and it's caught up with them before even the season started. So I just don't think that. I don't think that we can really look forward to a qualifier in the Europa League. I think we should. But you, there's not been a change in the rules at all, has there? If you, no. if you finish seventh, you will have to go through qualification. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, if you finish seventh, fantastic. Yeah. But at the same time, if you could, that, would you still would you actually opt out of the Europa League if you had oh, to do no, the no, qualifiers? No. You, you still got to go for it. Yeah. yeah. But you know, ideally, we'd we'd win the FA Cup and go straight into the group stage. Yeah. Yeah. But, or, or finish sixth. But you know, I don't think that. I think it's probably a little bit beyond us. But you know, I, I'm not, don't get me wrong. I won't turn 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 my nose up at seventh. Definitely not. No, not not at this stage. I think 
we've we've come into the new year regardless of the of the uh, results towards the end of the run we've come mm. into the new year in far better shape than we could have hoped after those first four games of the season haven't we mm. so it's a it's a positive time going forward we've got a strong platform to build on i think for this season really we we've said it countless times before haven't we if we finish in the top half this year all in all, given that it's our first season with a new manager, it'll be a positive thing. Yeah. It will give us a platform to... It'll be progress, won't it? Yeah, yeah. to yeah, build and, on for next season. Uh, People are guilty sometimes of getting in that short-term bubble, aren't yeah, they? Of course, of course. Game we, by game. As football fans, isn't it? We all do yeah. it. We say we all get excited after four wins in a row thinking we're going to win the league and then after four defeats in a row we think we can get relegated. It's it's the way football goes. But staying on the positives, though, if you cast your mind back to that win um, over Southampton, so I remember watching it myself on the TV. It was a really, really good performance. And they were on a bit of a, a bit of a high, a bit of a bounce, obviously, with the new manager coming in uh, a very very good job I think so I mean to, to win away from home like that I think it's very impressive the first half wasn't great yeah but you know and then to go one nil down very very quickly into the second half I did worry I thought you know we're gonna we're gonna implode here but the way they reacted to that goal I mean the goal shouldn't have stood anyway it was a handball wasn't it but you know the way they reacted to it was was brilliant and Anderson did what we've been Wanting, wanting to see from him, he grabbed the game by the scruff, the scruff of the neck and, and like, banged in two goals, and both of them were, were fantastic. Mm. Particularly the second, where it was counter attack, and um, you know, and then to hold on, then probably unlucky not to add to it as well. So it was a great win, and something that we we should have taken into that Burnley game only a few days later. Yeah, I mean, he was talking about Pellegrini, wasn't he, the, in the Burnley game, the, the fatigue and all that sort of thing. Yeah. But I, I thought the same sort of thing that happened in the Watford game, whether it can be blamed on energy levels or whatever, but it just seemed, as you were watching it, it just like it's one of those games where all the 50-50s and all the technical analysis that goes with it, it was just one of them you thought, I just weren't up for it today. Mm. It just didn't, they didn't match, certainly the Watford game. I, I thought Watford played well, but... No, it was nothing spectacular, was it? They didn't play us off the park. No. They just turned up and mm. every single one of their players put in a 7 or an 8 out of 10 and put a shift in. And we just seemed to be lacking that little bit of something, whether it came from the players or, or what it was. I think that's what it was. I, I think it was just, you know, they just couldn't... It was just one of those off days. Mm. Yeah, OK, guys. Well, we'll continue to have a little catch-up um, and reaction chat about your games over the festive period. A mixed bag, fair to say. But, of course, you are, of course, in the hat for the next round of the FA Cup which is a positive as you mentioned James win that and you can skip out some qualifying stages if you were to finish this year uh, into into the Europa League um, also just a little heads up as well West Ham fans Tony Carr uh, your former player and director of youth development is going to join us this evening about 7.30 so if you've got any questions for him get him in uh, you can send us a tweet at Love Sport Radio or you can give us a ring actually throughout the evening until 8.30 is the number you need to ring but up next here on the West Ham Fan Show we're going to continue to talk to Will and James about that festive period results. This programme was previously broadcast live on Love Sport Radio, so some items may be out of date. For more podcasts or to listen live, visit lovesportradio.com.
Yeah, welcome back. You're listening to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. I've got Will Pugh from Balls on the Line and James Jones from West Ham World in the studio with me till 8.30 this evening. Um, it, it, there's been some breaking news really with, with West Ham over the, the last hour or so and I feel that, you know, let's let's not you know, ignore the elephant in the room. Let's have a little chat about it. Marco Anatovic, there there are reports today um, that there's been a bid from China, apparently, what, 35 million quid. Um, before you get my view or my take or anything like that, boys, what, what was your initial reaction when you saw that kind of circulating on Twitter as often is, is the place these kind of things break? I think unsurprising that there's going to be interest yeah. in him. Um, we spoke about it before. Could we afford to let him go, etc., etc. Yeah. Um, 35 million, I think, is probably slightly short of what we'd be happy with taking for him as a as a club. Obviously, no one wants to see him go. I think the club are, are keen to reject it, just reading the stuff that's come out. Um, there's some... It, there's no like specific club they've named yet. It's an mm. unknown Chinese club. So whether that gives you an indication on on the validity of the story, mm. no one's really sure. But obviously his agent and his uh, came out towards the end of the last year as well, didn't he? Sort of making making some noises. So it could all be part of that. But well, yeah, unsurprising. What doesn't help is that his agent is also his brother. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say. <laughs> so I mean, there's always going to be there's always going to be touting his his brother about, particularly in the form that he's in. Um, and then again, I'm not surprised given given how we came off against Birmingham at the weekend, where a lot of people suggesting there's a bit of a rift between him and Pellegrini, which I don't think is true at all. Um, obviously, there's someone in there trying to, you know, upset, you know, upset a few people, and you know, try and get maybe a Premier League club to bid in, maybe sort of force someone into bidding for him. So, yeah. not surprised. I think we all knew that stories like this would come out this month, given how well he's played this season and how important he is to us. So. We just got we got to make sure that we we keep him at, at least until the summer. I wouldn't be that bothered if we sold him in the summer because that's a transfer window where you can actually find a replacement. Mm. You can't find a replacement for a player like him in January. Yeah, I mean, usually you know fans of of these clubs, you know, when you, you kind of got your ear to the ground on most things, you, you hear lots of bits and pieces. You know, usually a fairly reliable source. But what what does your your gut tell you when you read and hear stuff like this? Do, do you think there's a chance he may go this window? I don't think so. I think on the whole, he's happy at the club. Yeah. I think he quite likes. He's he's one of those sort of showmen with a hint of arrogance in, yeah. his, in the way he carries he, himself. He's, anyway, he's the big fish in in this pool, exactly isn't he? That, yeah. You know, which he loves. I think he, he absolutely revels in it. I, mm. And I think although he he would do well at a, a bigger club, and I I honestly do think that if United had come in for him, and they hadn't had the big change round they'd had, I think it would have been a good signing for them. However, I do think he, he revels in that big fish, small pond role, which I think he likes at West Ham. I think the stuff before Christmas and perhaps this stuff now, it's just he's just after a, a few more quid in his pocket every mm. week, I think. I think you're right. And I think the evidence in that is the way that, you know, he started hitting form the moment Moyes came in and made him the big guy up front, the, the main focal point, uh, put him up front on his own and went, right, you're the big guy here, you know, you go out and win games on your own. And suddenly we saw the on out of it that, that we were, you know, hoping to see. So um, I think evidence is there that, you know, he like he enjoys the role that he's playing at the club. I think he enjoys it. And he's got that relationship with the fans as well. The fans adore him. Mm. Very, very similar to for the way the fans had that relationship with Dimi, Dimi Payet. Um, and, you know, I think he, he's got a little bit more loyalty than, than Payet in that respect. Yeah. Uh, I can't imagine he'd, he'd he'd be willing to entertain the move himself mm. in January, midway for a season, when he knows that we need him that much, and we know, and he knows how reliable, you know, how how important he is. 
Yeah, so. no, Will, though, you, you mentioned that there was a similar thing like this before um, with an Altovich when he was at West Ham. And also, this isn't the first time that it's happened with an Altovich in his career. Is it kind of a concern that when this player is at your football club, this is always going to kind of follow him? And it's kind of, it's a distraction, isn't it, away from the actual side? Potentially, but I think with any player who is doing well and certainly with forwards, if they're scoring goals, they're going to attract attention like that, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, fair, and, fair. And to be quite honest, I'd, I'd rather have someone like that at the club because mm. it's it's not it's not all the time that people are queuing up to sign players from our team, is it? There's a lot of the time where yeah. we're talking about, oh, do you reckon we're going to be able to offload them? And I think from from the Arnautovic thing, he's, he's scoring goals and it, it feels different to the Pyatt stuff, doesn't it? It does, it, yeah. It doesn't feel like he's the he's the one agitating for it and there's not as much noise and it hasn't just got that sour taste to it. And I think, like you say, if he did go in the summer, everyone, he's conducted himself well. He's done a job for the club, hasn't he? Yeah. And I think everyone would be, you know, there'd be less bitterness for sure. Yeah, I think, I think we all know that in the summer, I think there might be something in these rumours. But this month, I think what, what we're seeing now is... Whether it's journalists, whether it's his agent or whatever, I think it's just they're putting two and two together. They saw what happened against Birmingham. You know, top player, best player at West Ham, scoring all the goals. And then, you know, looks like he's had a row with a manager. I oh, will link him away you know, with the move to China. Um, I think that's probably what we're seeing right now. It's got all the hallmarks of a normal yeah. uh, journalism story, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, but yeah. We're not even if even if there if there is legs in it, and there has been a bit from China. If you just look at that, I think he's still t- it's still too early for him to go over there, isn't it? Yeah. Well, this is the thing. This so. was kind of my next question. He is twenty nine, so he's not a spring chicken, um, but he certainly he's not past his birth or, or, or any point like that. But when it comes to any clubs buying him. He is kind of at that stage now. You know, if he was 30, 31, no club like Manchester United are going to come in and buy him for 35 million quid. So this is kind of his, his last chance for a big move or a big contract yeah. if he does want that kind of silly money. So that kind of must make you think a little bit that his head may be turned. He, his his mind may be thinking like that as well, just a little bit. I think he can afford to at least wait until the summer. Um, by then he'll be 30. I, you know, I think... He can afford to do that. I mean, look at Dembele. He's older than he's older than uh, Arnautovic. Yes, he's getting his 30, move to China. thirty-one, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, and he's getting his move to China now. So, if he wants well, a, fra- a fraction of the price, though, well, I mean, he'd be on big wages, though, wouldn't he? Of so, course, of course. You know, I think if if that's what he wants, if he wants to go somewhere and earn a lot of money, then he can do that in China. But he doesn't have to do it straight away. I think he's got he's got at least two more years before he can still go over there and earn a lot of money. I think there's two ways of looking at it as well. When you you said then um, about that one last move or mm. one last contract, it's in I players' think, minds these days. It is, mm. and, and understandably. But I think the the thing with Arnautovic and with most players nowadays, I think Arnautovic has probably got one more big contract left in him in England. But then, if he's 34 and he's made enough of a name for himself, then he'll get another contract yeah. of that sort of in that league, if you like, at 33 or 34 in China. Couldn't How he? good is he, though? You talk about, you know, we all know that if he was to go to China, he'd be levels above anyone else in that division, hence why he'd get paid, what, probably upwards of £300,000. But you talk about those links last year with Manchester United, and we talk about, you know, Maybe maybe relishing a little bit in terms of being the big fish in a small pond and with absolutely no disrespect whatsoever to West Ham when I say that. But do you think he's actually got the ability to go on and play for one of those so-called big six? I think so. I think 
if he went to one of the big six and, and played in a very similar fashion that he does for us, then I'm, I have no doubt that he'll get results there. Yeah. He'll score goals. Because, you know, he's big, he's strong, he's quick. Uh, and there are a lot of big six clubs that can, can do with a player like him in their team. And, you know, he, he will bully defenders. We've seen him do it. Every game he plays, he bullies defenders. So... I have no doubt that he'll go to any of those big six, probably with the exception of Man City. Yeah. He'll go to any one of those and, and get results. So to draw a line under and out of its chat for the rest of the show, um, in the summer, I'm going to offer you hypothetically £35 million from China. In the summer, would you say yes or no? Up it's a 40 and you got a deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same sort of thing, yeah. I think, yeah. All right, interesting stuff. Uh, West Ham fans, uh, let's get your take on that. What would you do uh, in the summer now? 35 million quid. James says 40, you'll say yes. Uh, Mark Winatovich, what would you do? Reports that have a 35 million pound bid coming from an unnamed club in China. At Love Sport Radio is the Twitter handle you need. 0208 758 is the number. Giving your team a voice. Love Sport Radio. Welcome back. The West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. So let's kind of finish off our, our chat about the, the games over that festive period. As both of you kind of alluded to at the top of the show, bit of a mixed bag. Um, but overall, overall, it, it's been certainly an upturn when you consider the, the, the horrid start that, that you had. Um, let's talk about um, the, the draw um, with Brighton. You went 2-0 down. Mm. Quick, quick brace to return to all. All the balance of play, a fair result, do you think? I think. I mean, Bright- you wouldn't have taken it beforehand. No, of course not. But on the balance of play, would you say may- think- maybe we will take that point? I think Brighton deserved to take the lead. Um, it was two sloppy goals we conceded, but Pellegrini was really disappointed with that yeah, money. Yeah, t- literally two corners in a row, wasn't it? Yeah. In the space of about 120 seconds. Has and- set pieces been a problem throughout the season, or was it just kind of an off day? I mean, I don't recall them being a massive problem. Oh. Uh, it was an off day for us overall, really, because I felt that. Uh, Brighton will feel unlucky not to come away with all three points on that day. Yeah, I thought they were they were they, they played well. Mm. They are, they, they have become our bogey team in the Premier League. Oh, have they? They have. I mean, we haven't beaten them since they came out. Is that true? That's the first point we got off them. So, um, <laughs> well, it's a really good point then. It is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just I don't know. I think they probably deserve to take all three points. They'll be unlucky. They'll, they'll feel aggrieved to to not have come away with three points, but. The way we came back again, a little bit like the Southampton game, we came back and got ourselves back into it. Mm. Yeah, Chris Hooten said that after the game, didn't he? He said before the game we would have definitely taken it. But in any game where you're 2-0 up, of course, you always Particularly want... away from home in a Premier League game That's when it. there's so few and far between those wins. Yeah, the, yeah. they obviously, they'll be disappointed to walk uh, not to walk away with all three. But I think Pellegrini afterwards was saying, not that it was a problem for us so much with defending set pieces, but he'd obviously highlighted in the week before that Brighton have scored a lot of goals this yeah. season from set pieces it's something they obviously work on they're good at and I think you could actually see he's he's normally quite calm and collected isn't he but Mm. some of that anger came through where he'd obviously been working on it all week and then within two minutes I mean whenever's Shane Duffy going to score a goal like that again in his (laughs) (laughs) managed to chest it down and scoop it in all in one movement but yeah I I think all in all it is good to come back whatever happens because Mm. we're all guilty of being when the shoe's on the other foot and when we're two new up getting disappointed if, if we don't win the game. But then by that same token, being 2-0 down, coming back, again, two quick-fire goals on yeah, Altovic, good I, finish, wasn't it? I remember, yeah, it was, yeah. And I remember leaving the stadium not not being that disappointed, actually being quite you know quite happy that we got the point in the end, which sounds weird when you, when you think we've drawn 2-2 with Brighton, who 
with all due respect to Brighton, we should be beating at home. Mm. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it shows the character, the, the way I see it, and I look at the positives on this, it shows the character in the team to be able to, mm. to concede two sloppy goals like that and not, you know, many, many a year gone by of West Ham would have dropped their heads and would have lost four or five yeah. in that game. Uh, yeah. That, that is a good back. point because you talk about, you know, the ability to come back and will you talk about Pellegrini actually being really quite annoyed afterwards this wasn't a side that just rolled over. You know, if, if the teams go 2-0 down and things aren't going great, some of them say, oh, it's not, it's not our day today. You know, damage limitation now, but the team fought back. Pellegrini was annoyed. You know, this team basically is, is saying, look, we're not going to accept mediocrity. Yeah, mm. and that's, like you said, we didn't, same thing against Southampton, wasn't it? I know we were only one down, but came back and got the win. And in the past two, three, four seasons, that is exactly what would have happened, isn't it? We would have, I mean, we would lost mm. countless games at home like that, didn't we? Yeah. We went 2-0 down to teams, we all turned up at the ground expecting to beat, and then the atmosphere turned horrible, all the players' heads went down, and like you say, we'd come in losing 2-3-4 at home mm. to teams that we'd, and walk away going, what yeah. the hell happened there? And I like that because, you know, Pellegrini, he doesn't doesn't strike me. You know, I'm a Leicester fan. We've got Claude Puel, right? So you talk about Pellegrini. The, the similarities in the, in the sense that it doesn't strike me as, as a manager who's going to go in at half-time and really rile them up. You know, if things aren't going great, you know, as a player, I'm thinking, oh, oh God, Pellegrini's going to be fuming, like I would do as a Leicester player with Claude Puel. But clearly, Pellegrini has got that fire. Mm. Which you know, it kind of answers some kind of some some doubts. I don't think only I would have had. I think other people maybe would have questioned him as well. Well, he does come across. I mean, at City, he was known as this charming man, wasn't mm. he? And you know, he does across this real calm and collected guy. But I have no doubt that you know, behind behind closed doors, he's right, the boss. He, he's the boss, and he, he's the sort of guy that would would, would command respect. Mm. Uh, I don't, he probably doesn't shout and you know, um, and get in players' faces, but he, he's got that presence about him. I mean, he's got enough experience. He's been there, seen it, and done it. That you know, if if you're a player working under him, you'll know when he's disappointed with you. Yeah. Um, so I mean, the same could be said about the the, the Burnley game early in the season when we were at home, and twice Burnley came back and equalised, but we still went on and won the game. Mm. Um, again, a lot of times we would have capitulated when we considered the first. So, you know, he's clearly getting the respect out of the players and yeah. getting them performing well. All right, super. Right, let's look ahead to this Birmingham game then. Um, straightforward. Andy Carroll also heavily involved in it. <laughs> Uh, it wasn't straightforward. I don't think. No. Um, I thought. I think. But Birmingham played well. Birmingham did play well. I, I said it on 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 this station after the game. I came on and and I said, you know, Birmingham will probably be feel a bit unlucky not yeah. to have at least forced a replay because they had they had a lot of corners, which is quite weird. But you know, they had a lot of the ball and we got a goal at the end. But we should. Carroll should have scored before we scored. He actually, he actually did. He was score. only rounded the keeper, rounded the keeper, and, and then yeah. ran into the side netting. Like, what are you doing, mate? It was just like when you could see him desperately trying to catch up with the ball, but like yeah. maybe a few years ago, Andy. Yeah, and it was just we, we we had our chances, but a lot of them were half chances. I think. Um, okay, we got we got the goal early on, which kind of settled some nerves, perhaps we had a couple of young players in the team. But I don't know. I think a lot of people look at it and go, oh, "That was a that was a straightforward result," but it wasn't straightforward. You know, with those with those games, the third round of the cup, it's always the same every year. You know, everyone gets excited, and we we often get draw drawn against teams from lower leagues. But and we all, you know, they're never easy walkovers, nah. are they? I know nah. with the Macclesfield game, but other than that, they're never easy games. And 
you know, uh, I, I think it's good. We, we got the win. That's important, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. And just who have you got in the next round? Uh, Wimbledon away, isn't it? Again. Oh, oh, we, got we, had the, we had them London in the Derby. Cup. Uh, we had them in the Carabao Cup. Of course you did. Season, and so. yeah, you, you got through. You got past them, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. Um, oh, good stuff. We'll enjoy that one then. I'm here on Love Sport, a little Love Sport fan show uh, clash. Um, right up next, here on the fan show, the West Ham fan show. Delighted to say we're going to have Tony Carr, uh, former player of yours and, of course, uh, director of youth development. So, should be a really interesting chat. So, please do stay tuned for that. Love sports. We've got another Carabao Cup semi-final this evening. It's an 8pm kickoff at the Etihad. Manchester City welcoming uh, Burton. Should be interesting. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. Burton can keep it respectable, but it's going to be a very, very tough evening, I predict, for them. A kickoff 8 pm. I'll run through the team news very, very shortly, but it is the West Ham fan show till 8 30 this evening. James Jones and Will Pugh with me in the studio, but delighted to say that we've got former West Ham player and a director of youth, uh, Tony Carr, on the phone now. Tony, good evening. Hi. Hi, Jake. Good evening. Right, Tony, really do appreciate you, you giving us the time this evening. Um, just a kind of generic one, kind of halfway through the season right now, Tony. Do you think West Ham are pretty much kind of where you thought they'd be at this point? I think um, after the signings in the summer that we, I think all the fans felt that, you know, at least we'd be a top ten, a top ten side and it looked like we were on track for that. So I think that's that, you know, that's a realistic target for us this year is, uh, you know, make sure we stay in that top ten and if, if we have another run like we had, um, or, or we've been on. Uh, you never know where we could finish up, but I think a top ten finish is, you know, is, is to be expected and realistic. Yeah, no, fair enough. And if you're going to kind of pull out you know, a major positive from the season so far, what would you say? A player or maybe something kind of? A, a I, I think the positive for me is the blooding and, and the emergence of, of Declan Rice. I think he's, you know, he's settled into that holding midfield position and. He, he, and he's grown with grown with the role over over, over the uh, over the season. The manager stuck with him, which is good because you're always going to get ups and downs with young players. And he seems to have um, stuck with him and believes in him. And and he's trying to do a similar thing with uh, with Grady Grady Diagana. So um, yeah, I think they've been the positives for me. You know, two two young academy boys that have been at the club for a long, long time have, have, have suddenly. You know, emerged and starting to establish herself in the team and you know, as Grady in the squad. Evening, Tony. It's William Pugh here. Um, Hi. You mentioned there. You touched on Declan Rice and Grady Diangana. There. Do you? It's refreshing for all of us to see. I think some some youth products from the club yeah. coming through and getting into the first team. Would you? We haven't seen too much of that in recent years. Would you attribute that to uh, the quality of the players coming through, or do you think it's the manager's attitude towards bringing young players into the side? I think it's it, it is tougher now than it ever was to get young players through. I think that's the first thing to say. As the Premier League's grown and better players have come into the Premier League, and everybody seems to um, buy the sort of best foreign players or where they can anyway. And so it is, it is a lot tougher to get young players through. And, and obviously, you have to have a manager that, that believes and, and, and has has got that um, that belief to give young players an opportunity and stick with them for a bit. And you can only give players the opportunity, and it, then it's up to them. And um, I think uh, the present manager is, 
seems to be doing that. And but you know, I understand where they're coming from. A lot of the managers because you know the job can be very short term if you're not winning. So they tend to stick with more senior, more tried and trusted players rather than bloody youngsters. But I'm glad to see that policy starting to change. Certainly Hi. at West Ham, anyway. Hi, Tony. James here. Hi. Um, on that note, I mean, we've also seen a lot of clubs actually bring youngsters in from abroad as well and actually put them straight into the development squad at West Ham. The likes of uh, Tony Martinez, Cedak Sabanovic and, and Zande Silva, who we saw for the first time only a couple of weeks ago and then started in the FA Cup. Do you think that that, given that clubs are now also looking abroad for these young players uh, a lot more than they used to, do you think that that holds back a lot of the, the young English players? Do you think that that helps them sort of develop with yeah, the, the new continental style of football. Yeah, I understand where you're coming from. The three players you mentioned, I don't know too much about, to be honest, because mm-hmm. you know I'd left the club when when the, the present academy manager signed these players. So I don't know the history of what happened or how much they cost, etc. Mm-hmm. I wasn't into that into that because I'd left. But uh, certainly, if you're going to bring a young foreign player in, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No. Um, I think um, you know, he's got to be there or thereabouts because if, he, if he's just going to, if he's there just for development, you know, I think it will, it, it could, it could hinder the, your own players within your own academy. So I think you have to be very careful and be very choosy, you know, what you do and how you do that. Tony, we've seen the situation recently with Craig Bellamy at, at Cardiff and uh, yeah. obviously some of the news around that and accusations of, of bullying. You'll have mm. seen in the time you were at the club and obviously any involvement you have now, you'll have seen things change drastically, I'm assuming, with the with how you treat young players and how you bring them through. Do you think the, the young players of today are drastically different in a, like from a mentality standpoint and therefore have to be treated differently? Or, or do you think it's just a bit of a storm in a teacup? I, I don't think they're different. That's the first thing. I think young players are still eager to be, you know, players and footballers. Um, you know, I still think, you know, that, that, you know, their ambition and their goal... Uh, is to play as a professional footballer as a career, and it may not always be at the club you start with. You know, we've seen that many times. But uh, I, I think it's important that, that the way you do speak to kids, and I don't, and I don't think you can be, you know, what what, what I mean, I'm not I'm not casting aspersions anywhere here, but I don't think you can be, you know, you can bully players anymore. You know, it, you know, if you ever could, for that matter, I, I don't think the bully approach or the the threatening approach works at all uh, certainly at, at youth level that that shouldn't be that should be a no-go anyway and certainly that's the same at senior level you know it, it, it's different players need to be treated a little bit differently and I think you just got to make sure that your environment within your football club is a caring environment you know you're there for the development of the players that's that's the sole reason anybody's employed in a youth academy is to develop the players that's within that academy of course, so, and you've got to do that in you know in a positive and caring way. So um, I'm sure these isolated instances that we've been uh, we have read about. I mean, I don't know the facts, so I can't really comment on those. But um, certainly, um, you know, if there's accusations of bullying or inappropriate language or any sort of racism or any other form of uh, insults, if that's the right term. Um, or abuse, as you might call it, um, you know, is it, it, not part and parcel of what youth development should be about. 
No, of course, of course. And uh, three players or two in particular that you were obviously heavily involved with um, in Frank Lampard, Michael Carrick, who are taking their first forays into into management. Oh, Carrick's yeah. on the behind the scenes at Man United. There's Joe Cole with his new job. He's got a Chelsea. Terry at yeah, as well. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, John Terry. Yeah, is there? Um, could you? Can you tell from a from a young age, or could you tell uh, with those names we've mentioned there that though they were the sort of characters that would inevitably go into management, or is it something that you develop over a career? Um, I don't think you can tell. Perhaps at a young age, I think what you can tell is those that have got good leadership qualities. Now, John Terry is a good example of that. Frank sets a, or has always set a very good example. So I think you know Michael's gone about things in a very quiet and controlled way. Joe, you know, with his, youth, his youthful enthusiasm, even now. I mean, funnily enough, I've spoke to all these players just recently and spent a day up at Derby with Frank and talking to him about various things. And uh, I'm writing a book at the moment, so I've, I've gone back in time to talk to all these players that I've had in the past to sort of get their recollections and so on. So things, you know, I wasn't even aware of when they were with West Ham. So, yes, and I think they're relishing it. And, and you've got to remember, these guys are very wealthy guys now. So they don't really need it in terms of they don't need mm. to, to, to do that sort of job. But I think their love of the game has sort of took them into that environment. And, and in effect, they're giving it a go and seeing how, how good they are or, or how well they're suited to it. So, no, good luck to them. And I think they'll all do, they'll all do well. You know, they may not always stay at the same club, but I think they've got a real love and enthusiasm to be the best they can be as they were as players. Yeah, that was that was going to be my next question, really. Obviously, Michael Carrick's on the um, in the sort of backroom team at the moment at United yeah. with with Solskjaer and Lampard's obviously got the got the hot seat. Do you think yeah. Do you think they could both make it? Um, you know, in the Premier League primarily, but then especially with Carrick at United already, do you reckon they'd both at some point in their careers be able to take on the hot seats at bigger big clubs like that? Well, I'm sure they could. I really do. I, because, but it's all down to you know the success you have when you start. You know, for instance, Frank's got a manager's job and, it, and, and it, all the questions will be answered by, you know, how well how well he does at Derby. And, you know, if he can get him into the playoffs, if he can get him promotion, you know, and, and play a brand of football that the Derby board and, and crowd um, enjoy. So it's all to do with, you know, he's, he's, it's a new career because he was a great player, won't necessarily follow, that he'll make a great manager. And he and he realises that you know he's got lots to learn, lots to do, and you know things to to sort of make decisions about. And the buck stops with him. And and um, and like all those, I think um, I'm sure they've got the capability if they get the opportunity. But when they get the opportunity, um, you, you sometimes you only might, might only get one shot at it. So you've got to you've got to be a reasonable success to sort of get the next one, to get the next job. Tony, another player that you coached a uh, junior time at West Ham, uh, and he's still actually playing, is Jermaine Defoe. Yeah. Um, re- you know, today secured his low move to to Rangers. Um, mm. I mean, are you surprised that he's he's still playing? I mean, a lot a lot said about how well he looks after himself, even even at his age now. Um, do you think that he can he can be a success up in Scotland? I'm sure he'd be a great success. I really do. Uh, but the common factor about all those players you mentioned is they they all love the game. They all love the game, and, and it's not just a cliche. And Jermaine's one of those. He loves. He wants to play. That's why he's gone to Scotland. You know, he wasn't getting enough games at Bournemouth, and he's gone to Scotland. And I'm sure he'll get more games. And I think um, if he gets the games, I'm sure he'll score the goals. 
because you know he, he loves to play and he loves to score, and he's not gone there for a he's not gone there for an easy ride because it's a you know it's a it's a tough gig in Glasgow. So you know it's a big challenge for him. And I'm sure he'd be up for it. So when's this book out then, Tony? Because I, I I know that the boys and all the West Ham lads would absolutely love to read this. Well, I'm, I'm about halfway through it, so uh, with a bit of luck, it'll be ready either for the start of next season or maybe the Christmas market if if um, if, you know, if, if you're clever it, if we can get it finished. Yeah, that, if, if you're clever, Tony, that's when you want to get it out just before Christmas. Look, we're really, yeah, that's, re- the, that's 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 the that's the deal anyway. But I've still got a bit to do yet. <laughs> yeah. well, but we, we, I'm ploughing through it. You know, I've worked. I worked at the club unbroken for 43 years, yeah. so I've got you know I've got a few stories to tell, and I, you know I worked under a few managers, worked under every manager from Ron Greenwood up to Slaven Bilic. So, mm. um, it's uh, you know there, there's a story there somewhere. No, absolutely, there is, uh, or a few, I should say. <laughs> Tony, just then very quickly before we let you go, how high? How do you think West Ham will, will finish this season? And also give me a little prediction as well for for the weekend when they play Arsenal. Yeah, let's uh, let's let's put that. I think if, if they got eighth, I think that would be a real achievement. I really do. Eighth in the league. Um, top 10, I think, if we finish outside the top 10, I, I wouldn't say it'd be a disappointment, but I think we'd, we would have slightly underachieved, I believe. Um, so Arsenal Sunday, uh, Saturday, sorry, 12.30 kickoff, isn't it, this week? Yeah, um, it is, yeah. Arsenal Saturday, I think uh, we'll win 2-1. Well, hey, that's right. I, I keep saying we well, don't work her anymore, but it's still my team. Of course it is. Tony Lou, yeah. absolute pleasure speaking to you this evening. Really do appreciate it. That was Thanks to- for the call. That was Tony Carr there, former player, former youth development uh, manager. How, how much of a pleasure was that, lads? A real pleasure. Oh, would, you buy, would you buy the book? Oh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, sure, he's, yeah. He's a true legend. Yeah, he absolutely yeah. is. Uh, right, up next, we'll run through the team news for Man City, Burton. it's going to kick off in just a moment. Also, we'll get your guys' take on Sammy Nasri, Jean de Silva, and a few other of the academy products that maybe, maybe Tony would have been looking after if he was still at the club. You're listening to Love Sport Radio. This is the West Ham Fan Show. We've all got one, and we're not afraid to put it on display. Our opinions, that is. Share yours now at Love Sport Radio on Twitter, or call us 0208 70 20 558. Love Sport Radio, your fan station. Welcome back to the West Ham Fan Show. Once again, thank you very much to Tony Carr. Can't wait for that book to come out, West Ham fans. Keep your eyes peeled for that one. Perfect Christmas present. Plenty of stories in that one. Uh, it has been kick-off in the Carabao Cup semi-final. First leg at the Etihad. I want to say the Etihad. Um, a half-empty Etihad. Very disappointing. I know it's Burton, but it's a cup semi-final, guys. You know, you should go support your team, shouldn't you? I'll just run through the team news for you. City have made four changes from the weekend. De Bruyne, David Silva, Mares, and Leroy Sane start. But Garcia starts in defence on what is his 19th birthday. And Muric uh, replaces Edison in goal. He was the guy who played in goal um, in the previous leg against Leicester City and looked very good, saving a couple of those penalties. Burton have made three changes from their 4-0 win over Rochdale. Brayford, Wallace and Boyce replace Quinn, Fox and Templeton. So those starting lineups are, I'll start with Burton. Collins, Brayford, Buxton, Allen, Turner, Fraser, Aikens, Harness, Hutchinson, Wallace and Liam Boyce. 
And for Man City, it's Murich in goal. And then Kyle Walker, Otamendi, Garcia, Zinchenko, Gundogan, David Silva, Sane, De Bruyne, Mares, and Jesus. So kickoff has happened. I'll let you know when the goals go in. So guys, kind of just picking up and staying on the theme really of, of speaking to Tony. I think it was a really kind of interesting chat. And, and what I think is kind of particularly good at the moment is feels like we're kind of coming through a bit of an era and, and some of these young players after maybe a, a few few hard years of those players not coming through sometimes it's not the football club's fault at the end of the day if those that those proper players aren't coming through you can't just put them in there for the sake of having an academy player in there but there's a few coming through at the moment for West Ham which is really nice to see isn't it yeah I mean it started with Declan Rice didn't it and, yeah you know and Z- Zande Silva looks like he could be given a few more opportunities now and Grady Dan Garner obviously mm. you know before him and it's it, it's nice to see it happen because for for so many years, particularly after Tony Carr left, it's been a bit of a sort of a barren spell in terms of our youth development, and you know a lot of people are going oh, when Elliot Lee was at the club, he was banging goals in. <laughs> you know, Elliot Lee's going to be brilliant. Why aren't he playing Elliot Lee? Mm. Some analysts was like, Murray's not good enough. Yeah. And everyone's like, Why aren't he playing? Is he at Luton now? I think it's Luton. Luton. Yeah, Luton. Yeah, and it, it turned out he wasn't good enough. Um, mm. The same, you know, the same has been said for for, for a number of players that came through everyone was raving about him and just just sort of fell off the face of the earth a little bit and Freddie Sears was another Freddie one Sears. Was Freddie Sears cult- got quite a lot of first team football didn't he and then just is he Colchester is he now he's, a, he's, uh, he's no, Ipswich, he's, Ipswich. Yeah. Oh, he's 29 Ipswich, though now Freddie Sears yeah but he re- didn't he recently is he 29 yeah I remember his debut when he was 16 <laughs> it's really annoying it makes you feel really old yeah, it does yeah. <laughs> but it, he's one that he recently just like ended a, uh, a spell without a goal. It was like thirty games without mm-hmm. a goal or something. He recently ended that, so even he, he's not even doing doing that well. So, <laughs> that, I mean, Stanislas is is one that he yeah. he's now, you know, still playing in the Premier League. Zavon Hines. Uh, <laughs> Do you know where Zavon is these days? No, I've got no idea. He's at Chesterfield. Chesterfield. Is he really? Yeah, he is. Yeah, that was the same crop, wasn't he, of, of Stanislas? And yeah. Yeah. They, they all end up at, uh, at Luton. Though I watched a, uh, a pre-season friendly between uh, Boreham Wood and Luton, mm. and Luton had. Uh, Petty Ruddock, uh, the the two Elliot brothers. I was just, yeah, the other Lees there. Yeah, He's the also two, two, yeah. two Elliot, yeah. like, two, the two Lee brothers. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Petty Ruddock, uh, Dan Potts. Remember Dan Potts? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and I, it was like watching a West Ham youth team for about eight years ago. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, they all end up over there. But it's nice now to see them all come through and actually be given opportunities. So yeah. So I did mention that Burton are going to have a tough task for them this evening. Five minutes in, Man City lead a Kevin De Bruyne header from a David Silva cross. Um, yeah. Uh, good luck. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. It's, it's a shame there's no fans there to see it, though. Yeah, it? it is somewhat ominous, though. Yeah, I mean, I think... It, I, I, I don't want to be disrespectful. I think they have done superbly well to get to the semi-finals competition, but I do feel if they keep it below five... Um, well, they're still in with a chance. No, not <laughs> in a chance, but they can feel like it maybe could have gone worse if Kept they get below five. Yeah. Oh, dear me. Um, but yeah, talking of those players that are coming through, Declan Rice, how good can he be? Because you see him week in, week out. And I have to say, I've brought up this point a few times. Clearly a good player. You know, you're not 19 years old and starting in the Premier League week in, week out if there's not something a bit special about you. But there's been kind of a little bit of a, a tug of war between... Republic of Ireland and England about wanting this player to play for him and I'm not entirely convinced I see him whether right now or even potentially in the future being better than the players that England have already do you do you see him as potentially being that good I certainly can and I think just to touch on it what uh, that was one of the best pieces of news that's come out of our football club yeah, for yeah. a long 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 mm. time when we tied his contract up he's happy the club's happy it's almost like 
unheard of at West Ham. Yeah. <laughs> everyone was everyone was clamouring for mm. it. So it was rumbling on for a little while, wasn't That's it? it. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And the fact now they've now they've tied it up. That is a brilliant move and a brilliant like just a, a just shows the intention of the club. And I'm really glad mm. and everyone is that that's happened. But no, I, I do. I think he's class at the moment. It's it's not really a conversation about potential with him. He's he maybe 19 years of age, but he's in the team every week and he's one of our integral players this season, isn't he? And yeah. he's one of the first names you'd hope is on the team sheet every week. So sort of age out the window. I think he's yeah. certainly good enough to be in our team now. And going forward, why not? He's only going to keep getting better, hopefully. Yeah, if, if you actually go to a game and actually watch him, spend a bit of time just watching him, both on and off the ball, yeah. he reads the game incredibly well for a 19-year-old. And in that position, you need to be able to read the game really well. Yeah. And he just it's effortless for him. And yeah. even on the ball, you know, he can, he can pass... Um, he can tackle. He's, he's, he's just—he is at the moment a complete player for nineteen-year-old, and he's still got a long yeah. way to go. We've seen a few players though in a, in a similar ilk and in, in position who are able to play in a couple of positions. And actually, whilst it's kind of a benefit to the club and the squad for him personally, it can sometimes hinder you. Mm. What do you think is his best position? Because he's been flourishing, hasn't he, as a, as a holding midfielder? But lots of coaches and, and other people have said longer term, he's he's a centre half. I think. He's showing now that holding midfield is where where his future lies, because he's played centre half um, for West Ham in the yeah. first team. And okay, and yeah, that's he's, hard he's, as a kid. He's played well. He's, yeah, I mean, it is hard. It's but a lot he's of responsibility. Well. Um, but I think I think he just comes into his own more when he's when he's got a little bit more control um, and he can dictate and you know protect that back four a little bit because you know if you've got centre half playing and holding midfield, he's already defensive minded. Yeah. Um, which you know works in the f- in your favour if you're if you're holding midfielder. So I, th- I think that's where his future lies. Not just that as well. I think he's almost he's almost too good of a footballer to have at centre half. Wasted. Yeah, yeah. He, he, no, he's agree. too good on the ball. He's so composed, isn't he? Yeah. If you he's, he's one of those players where you sort of look in watching the game, and if he looks like you think, oh, we're in a tight spot here, just with one simple careless move that he he seems to get you out stress of at all. Yeah, yeah, nice little neat turn, knocks a ball to someone, or quick little bit of interplay, and all of a sudden the tables have turned. And I do think he would be wasted as a as a centre half. I think. Okay, so if an unnamed Chinese club came in with thirty five million pounds, what do we say? Yeah, no way, no, not a chance. Hoping now, Jande Silva, another name I'll quickly throw at you. He's, 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 was he signed this summer or last? This summer. This summer. Yeah. He's been scoring lots of goals, hasn't he, for, yeah. for the development side. Do you see a potential first-team player there? I think he's been brought in because of the injury problems we've got. Um, I, you know, I know that he was brought in with a year in the development squad in mind, but given the injuries, he's been given a chance. And I, I think he looked quite good against Birmingham at the weekend. Whether he, you know, I don't think he'll start against Arsenal at the weekend, for example. But I think, you know, if he can get a few minutes on, uh, off the bench, then I don't see any reason why he can't force his way in. I think uh, I'll say it's good generally to have the have the young players coming through. But I think in the past the past seasons we haven't the managers, whether it's the quality of the players or not, mm. they haven't had the the freedom. It's all been quite a nervous, intense time at West Ham. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see, to see in the team, yeah. how he develops. Uh, fastly approaching eight o'clock here on Love Sport. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter.
Welcome back, Love Sport Radio. It's the West Ham Fan Show. Jake Watson with you till 10pm. Joined by James Jones from West Ham World and Will Pugh from Bulls on the line before the end of the show, which is at 8.30. We will look ahead to the next Premier League game, which is against Arsenal. You welcome them to the London Stadium. We're going to hear from Stuart Robson, former Hammers and Gunners midfielder very, very shortly. But... Before that, let's have a chat about January. No chat of Arnautovic. We've done that. We've mm-hmm. dealt with it. Um, those rumours, those reports of the bid from China, we're not having it. Um, certainly not in January anyway. So, what do West Ham need? What do you think they'll get? Go. Well, we said this before in the, in the build-up to January, didn't we, that we're desperate for left and right back. Yeah. I think that's our, that's our should be our priority. But at the moment... Is Patrice Evra still available? I hope not. I hope not. He's busy licking chicken somewhere. <laughs> well, he st- Did you see that video? I saw that video. Yeah, Mate, Julio. that is weird. He's still, he was still training at the club up until recently. Was he really? Because mm. I saw footage on Sky Sports where Nasri was just started training before he yeah, signed. I did not know that. And in the that. background, it was Nasri and Patrice Everett. Uh, uh, he probably uh, wasn't training. Just, just turns up to film a video, <laughs> do something yeah. weird, and go again. Probably, yeah. <laughs> but hope. Oh, well, I mean, I, I definitely won't be signing in, will we? But. We got to sign someone. Uh, it just it just doesn't seem as if they're looking at signing anyone because, you know, it's all attacking players being linked at the moment. It is still a difficult window, isn't it? But and, mm. and some of the like you say, the the attacking players have been linked at the moment. There was there hearing some rumours this afternoon, some stuff coming out about Balbuena. Um, obviously he was injured, but potentially having a setback in that and yeah, stories of perhaps cruciate ligaments um, when you hear words like that it makes you a bit nervous doesn't yeah, it of course you've been doing really well so I, I think certainly at the back is is where we need to focus we touched on before about who might go out the door because I think there will be an element of that this month won't there if anyone mm. is going to come in will there be people that is going to be cherry picked from, from other teams or ones who aren't getting minutes for you this season ones who aren't getting minutes yeah um, I, we can't afford to sell any of our best players so I don't think that will be the case it'll be fringe players or players that are just looking for more game time, I think. But yeah, I, I don't think they're inclined to sell anyone at the moment. Don't need are they? No. no, I think they're, they're happy with what's going on. It's, it's quite a good time for the club on the pitch. So I think, they'd, A, they'd be foolish. But I don't think, other you say, other than Arnautovic, I don't think there's anyone sort of queuing up to take anyone off our hands. Everyone that we've got who's doing well is reasonably new to the club as well. Yeah. So probably wouldn't be looking for a move this soon. Yeah, I think, I think also a lot of people forget... A lot of fans forget that January famously is a really difficult window to deal in because, you know, obviously teams aren't going to want to sell their best no. players midway for a season, and if they do, it's going to cost cost a lot of money to take them off off their hands. So it's going to be difficult. I think it's a window for loan loan deals mm. predominantly. I think you know with, with a view to buying the summer if the player impresses. Um, and then, I mean, one player you said you know a lot of players have, have signed recently. One player I'm surprised hasn't been linked to what is Felipe Anderson. I know he's only been at the club for six months, but yeah. I mean, I, I was I was waiting for, for yeah. Man United interested, Chelsea interested, you know, because I think I I'll be surprised if we go an entire month without him being linked away, mm. because he's been superb. And okay, we won't sell him this month, but there'll be links to try and unsettle him. In reality, though, I mean, obviously we bought him in for around the fifty million mark. Do you think that he's done enough? In because if you're going to sell a player like that. Uh, especially with the politics that would go with it and the backlash there'd be uh, towards the board if they if they sold him up out. Market of on course it, it would. Upsell. Yeah, you're going to have to... It, the only have to way be 70 mil, isn't it? Exactly. And has he put mil. 20 million on his value? In He's the very, very good. Yeah, but he he's not a 70, 75 million pound player already, is he? No, that's true. 
Get, what does 70 million get you these days in the Premier League? Well, that's true. But so I think I think for we're we're lucky in a sense that the the new players who've come in are the ones who are doing well. Mm. And say maybe I'm out of it, but other than that, I think I could perhaps see Perez moving on, and I don't think that'd be the worst thing. But like you mentioned, you want you'd want someone to replace him, wouldn't you? My my worry with the Perez stuff at the moment is that if we do sell him or loan him out or whatever we decide to do. Uh, we need to bring in someone first because other than him, you've got Antonio who isn't an out-and-out striker um, who is occasionally filling in at right back. Yeah, I love that. Um, hmm. it's, I mean, it's mental, isn't it? He's never played played in his proper position. What uh, is his proper position again? Well, no one really knows anymore. <laughs> I don't think he him. even knows yeah. anymore. But then, and, then, and then the other two players we've got other than Arnautovic is, is Hernandez and Carroll, both of, both of which just you can't trust their fitness. No, mm. no. Hernandez is ill all the time for whatever reason. And and Andy Carroll's fit for a couple of weeks and then is out again for six months. So you can't rely on those two players. So you need someone like Perez who's... Okay, he's had one little injury which ruled him out for a couple of games, mm. which was a little cut on the foot. Um, <laughs> sounds really weird saying. <laughs> it looked quite sore. It did, look, it did look quite bad. Or did he post a picture of it on, yeah, on Instagram? Yeah, yeah. It did, yeah, it didn't look nice. Look at my foot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, if they're going to bring bring a striker in, then okay, let Perez go. But if they're not, then keep him at the club because he'd be a good mm. backup. But the thing is, though, looking at that that crop of strikers, yes, you rightly point out that Hernandez and Carroll are not the most reliable when it comes to, to fitness. But Hernandez, Carroll, Arnautovic, Perez, those four must be on some serious wonga. A lot mm. of money. I mean, can you afford, regardless of their fitness, to, to really bring in another striker? Because you can't... You can't if you're going to bring in someone and they're going to be any good. Again, you're looking at probably and and in any way proven 40k upwards, 50k upwards on in terms of wages. It's a lot of money, isn't it? Just to just to have in case one of those other guys isn't fit. Well, you've got just with uh, Hernandez and Carroll, you've got nearly 250 grand a week there it's alone. Massive, isn't just, it? Just with those two players, haven't you? And I think the the only thing I could see happening this month is. I think looking forward to the summer, there's some some easy trimming to be done of the squad, isn't there? Mm. Like you, those players you mentioned, basically Hernandez, Carroll, Antonio, there's and probably Perez, unless something miraculous well, you, happens, you, 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 won't be there after the end of the summer. You'd I let think. Antonio go. Because I find this one strange because there's been rumours for a little while now. I think Crystal Palace were quite yeah. heavily linked with him, weren't they, in the, in the summer? I like Antonio. I think he's a good player. I think and you talk about his versatility for one. He's kind of in the. I think in the Southampton game, he thought he played really well. I think he's a good player. He's on a decent wedge, though, isn't he? Yeah. He's not yeah. on pittance yeah. every Again, week. You know, but if you, if you let Antonio go, you know, it's actually cheaper to keep him because if you've got to replace him, first of all, you're going to spend probably twenty million pounds to replace a player like that. You may even need two players because he's so versatile, and he's on sixty k a week. Yeah, I mean, surely he's a good player don't to have. Wrong. Before before January came around, I was quite open to selling him because he wasn't playing well, mm. and he was struggling to really get back to his best after a, a, a run of injuries, mostly with his hamstring. Um, but that that Southampton game kind of sparked a bit of revival. Yeah, I in thought him. he played really well, and ever since then, he's actually played quite well and perhaps Pellegrini might have a bit of a change of heart you know between now and the summer and go do you know what no, I reckon, you know you, you proved that you can you can play a part in this team but he's done well to revive his West Ham career because I, th- I thought he was on the, on his way out mm. I really thought he was gone can you still see him there at the end of the summer then because I, I if honestly he, if he plays well between now and the end of the season then there's no reason to sell him I think because he's he's proved that he can he can have a, have a positive impact but you know no one really knows what Pellegrini's going to do 
Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. So, so strange. It feels like forever away. It's so easy to forget that he got called up for England, yeah. didn't he, yeah. Carl Antonio? So, yeah, let's wait and see um, with him what happens. Is he going to be there in January? Is he going to be there at the end of the summer? You boys are unsure. Um, up next, we're going to turn our attentions to your next Premier League game. You're going to welcome Arsenal to the London Stadium. Delighted to say we're going to be joined by a former Gunners and Hammers midfielder, Stuart Robson on Love Sport next. This programme was previously broadcast live on Love Sport Radio, so some items may be out of date. For more podcasts or to listen live, visit lovesportradio.com. Yes, welcome back to Love Sport Radio. This is the West Ham Fan Show, joined by James Jones and Will Pugh in the studio. But delighted to say we've got former West Ham and Arsenal midfielder Stuart Robson with us on the phone right now. Stuart, good evening. Good evening to you, all three of you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, Stuart, I'm going to go straight in here. I'm looking at these two teams right now in the league. It's a big summer of change for both of them. Halfway through, where we find ourselves pretty much now in, in January... Would you say that both of these sides are pretty much where we thought they'd be? Uh, I would say so. I mean, people were talking when West Ham spent all the money in the summer that they may challenge to get into that top six. I was always wary of that because I'd seen one of the two of the players that they had bought and uh, they hadn't been at their best the previous couple of seasons. That's why West Ham got them. Um, but I think they've done well after a very poor start. You know, it was diff- difficult for Pellegrini to to, Pellegrino to get it all right uh, at the start of the season. But he's got better. They've got Arnautovic back fit. Or he was back fit for that game against Brighton. He scored a couple of goals. And when he's playing well, uh, they look a decent side. And as for Arsenal... I think we all expected it would take a little time for Unai Emery to get his philosophy, his tactics across. It didn't start well for him the first couple of games, but got better and better. I think they got lucky in games where they didn't defend particularly well. But I think, to answer your question, they're about where we expect, mm. expected them to be. Hand on heart after West Ham's start, did you have any doubts at all about Pellegrini as a manager? As in, you know, maybe has he seen his best days? Yes, I've always had doubts about Pellegrini, not because he hasn't been a good manager, but from by all accounts, he's been a manager that's managed top sides, and he doesn't. He's not a training ground manager in terms of he's a, a, a coach that dictates what he wants from his side. He almost manages the players and lets them have that little bit of freedom. That's okay when you're managing Manchester City. That's okay when you're managing Real Madrid. It's not okay when you're managing West Ham and you've got a lot of new players and you've got to gel them into a formation and a, and a, and a game plan and a style of play, both defensively and with the ball. So that was my big worry about Pellegrini being the manager. But he seems to have got it a little bit more, uh, a little bit more success in the last few weeks, and he's got some sort of pattern of play now. Mm, and somebody he's brought in is is a player he knows um, from his Manchester City days. Of course, someone who's played for Arsenal as well, Samir Nasri. Thoughts on on him coming in, Stuart? I mean, Samir Nasri, uh, two or three years ago, was an exceptional player. Uh, when he was at Arsenal, he was probably their best player on for a, a season and a half. Um, but he's had his problems. Uh, people have always questioned his character, whether he's a good team member. Uh, so he's, it's, a, it's a hit and miss, really. He, he could play well. It was a bit like Jack Wilshere going to West Ham from Arsenal. You know, if he plays well and he's fully fit, 
uh, he's going to be a great signing. If he's not fully fit, it's not such a great signing, but it's not such a big risk. And taking Samir Nasri on isn't a great risk. If he, if he can keep himself fit, if he can re- reproduce some of the form that he's shown in previous years, then he'll be a good signing, if not in, in the side regularly for uh, you know uh, little cameo appearances. Evening, Stuart. Um, West Ham obviously had a good run of form recently, but within that, uh, you saw the Watford and the Burnley results mm. thrown in there. Mm. Is it a sign of the mentality of the club where, despite those two results, everyone's everyone's in quite a positive, buoyant, upbeat mood about the Christmas period, but still leaves us in that mid-table sort of zone? And we, if we're supposed to be pushing on, should we should we really be a little bit more uh, down on ourselves for losing those games? Yes, I think so. I mean, you just mentioned it. I think you just mentioned the DNA of West Ham. Was that what you said? I haven't, uh, I haven't said the West well, Ham when, way when, just yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, from my experience of, of West Ham when I played there, that there was this acceptance that, oh, well, you know, we'll have a good game and we'll have a better. Never mind, the next one will come around and we'll be OK. And, and I was at times quite critical of the sort of laissez-faire attitude that the, the players and the management had. Of, of of the club and the way that poor poor performances and poor results were seen as that. Oh, well, next time we'll get it okay, be okay. But now in the in the Premier League era, and with a lot of money being spent on on West Ham's players and a lot of money spent on the managers, I think the fans should demand and the and the club should demand more of their team that they should be, be being more concerned. You know, that's the problem with West Ham. One week you see them play some outstanding football. The work rate is great. The effort and enthusiasm, the determination, the organisation looks to be really good. The next week it can look like a shambles. And that's always been the case at West Ham. If you go back two or three years when they had that excellent run, excellent season under Slaven Bilic, the thing that made them such a good side was their work rate. You saw them the next year. Pyatt doesn't want to play. One or two other players aren't working quite so hard. And it goes all the way back to that great... Uh, year they had when they came third in the in the table. Yes, they had good players, but it was their work rate, their attitude, their desire in that year that made them a good side. The same players a year later think they've done it and end up coming 14th in the table, I think, and a year later they get relegated. Hi, Stuart. James here. Hello, James. Do you, do you think that, you know, we, we got through, we got past Birmingham in the la- in last week in the FA Cup. Do you think that mm. given that good run of form before Christmas and sort of leading into the new year that they've kind of a- West Ham have allowed themselves an opportunity to really go for a cut run because you know before that good run everyone was like we can't really you know afford to have a cut run because we need to focus on safety but that seems to have have passed us by now. So do you think that Pellegrini should be looking at maybe you know prioritising the FA Cup a little bit? Uh, I, I never think you should prioritise anything. You know, I, I would say even if you were struggling in the in the Premier League, it builds confidence if you can win games in the FA Cup. The FA Cup is still a big tournament, and I'd love to see West Ham have a good cup run. I think he should be playing his best sides in those games. I think they got a chance of doing well, you know, depending on the draw, of course, in, in, as, as they go forward. But West Ham have, have got a great cup record over the years, uh, much better than they have in the, in the top flight of, of English football. So it's a great chance for, you know. The, the London Stadium needs to have games that the fans can remember. If you could get to the quarterfinal of the FA Cup and get one of the big teams at home in front of uh, 60,000 people and, and win the game, that will make the stadium become West Ham Stadium and it make the players and the manager uh, you know, gr- great players for West Ham and, and be get the adulation of the crowd. So that's what it needs, I think, at West Ham at the moment. Stuart, another name to throw at you, another player um, who has divided opinion, perhaps someone like Samir Nasri. Um, is Andy Carroll. We know his contract situation, we know what it is, but he is back in the team, he is back contributing. 
What would you do with him? Would you give him another contract? Would he continue to play him? Uh, there's a, a short and simple answer. No. Why? Uh, <laughs> uh, because you can't guarantee his fitness. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure by all reports you can guarantee his attitude at times. He is a magnificent header of the ball, but it's only once every so often, as he's proved for West Ham. And he will demand very high wages. Mm. And I think he doesn't deserve those wages anymore. If he was a, you know, I, I was a player that had lots of injuries. If he was a player that was doing everything he could to get back out on the training field and working harder than any other professional at the football club <laughs> to get himself back in, into full fitness. I keep hearing West Ham supporters say, to him, he's not fully fit yet and he's not fully fit. So, you know, he's not getting around the pitch as much as he can. That'll happen in three or four weeks time. It won't happen in three or four weeks' time because I don't think he's worked hard enough at his game and his fitness levels over the last few years to ever get back into that shape where he can be a threat continually. Is, and... is this not a good game, though, Stuart, just talking about going ahead to Arsenal here, where Andy Carroll can have a real impact against those Arsenal defenders? And then if he has those kind of impacts in those games, it is almost worthwhile keeping him, is it not? Uh well, I, I'm, you, you heard my answer. No, I don't think it is. <laughs> uh, for West Ham to to get the best out of Andy Carroll, they've got to get the ball in the top third of the field more often than it's in the defending third. Because when crosses come in from wide areas, he's a threat. There's no question about that. But I've seen him play where he's been the lone striker. Balls have been hit to him from 60, 70 yards away. West Ham can't get up the field. He can't get hold of it. He's winning balls in the air, but it's not going to any. Then he can't run the channels. Then he can't hold it up because he's too tired. That's not good enough. You know, if, if, if you're, a, if you're a, a, a player on the amount of money that he's on and the sort, of, uh, uh, the, the sort of player that he is, you've got to be affecting the game more often than not. And he doesn't do that. OK, I accept your answer. <laughs> Stuart, 2018 was, a, was an up and down one for the club, obviously. Um, looking at where we are now going into the new year in a much more settled position. But looking forward, what would you consider a good result from this season? And perhaps where can we expect to see the club maybe this time next year going into 2020? Well, I'd like to see West Ham produce outstanding performances once every four games where they're, where they're playing good football, they're defending well, they're looking organised, they produce really top-class performances once every four games. Then the other three, they're going to be hard to beat. When they're not playing quite as well, they're hard to beat. They, again, they're organised, they put in good performance, so they're not being rolled over easily. They're, they're staying in every game. And I would like to see West Ham be challenging, not this season, I think they're going to be middle of the table this season. But the next season, into the top six. Can they get into that top six? I think there's got every chance of doing that if they continue to spend wisely. The manager builds on what he's got already. The players they've got there continue to work hard. It's the, the club has got uh, uh, um, the, the recipe to be a top six side. Not, not in the top four. I don't, I'm not going to be silly here. But a top six side... They've got the chance to be that if they do the things right over the next couple of years. Mm. So just lastly then, Stuart, what is your view on this, this game this weekend? How do you think it'll go? Uh, I think West Ham will try and defend that little bit deeper, stay compact because uh, Arsenal, when, if, they, if they get spaces to play through you, they can cause you real problems. But if it was me, I'd try and press Arsenal. That's Arsenal still try and play out from the back. They can be caught. They can be disorganised at times. There is, there is a chance to break them down. They've had a lot defensively. You still have to be worried about their front players because they've got good rotation. They've got good ability on the ball. Obama Yang, when he's running with the ball or making his runs off the ball, looks a real threat. 
I would like to see West Ham go and press the ball high up the field and really take the game to Arsenal. I'm not sure that's going to happen and that could be the downfall of West Ham. Okay, super stuff. Stuart, I really, really do appreciate your time this evening. For the fans, by the fans, Love Sport Radio. Thanks once again to Stuart Robson. Great chat, great insight there. Always good value. So, chaps, we're looking forward to this game. Yeah, I am. The last two performances against Arsenal have been pretty good. Okay, yeah, we haven't got anything out of either of them, but they've been quite encouraging. Um, I think, despite those two defeats we were talking about earlier, I think our form's pretty good. Um, there's a little bit of positivity getting in and around the club, and I, you know, I fancy us. I do. Yeah, no, I, um, for a change, I uh, quite positive. <laughs> dangerous though, isn't it? it? It's yeah, dangerous yeah. feeling confident. Yeah, no, I, I think. Well, I think they'll step they'll step the game up. Um, I think there's a few. We've got a few players there who who want to perform in the big games. Um, yeah, and I think I think both defenses are pretty sharp. Well, I was going to say d- defensively, Arsenal are certainly there to to, to be got at. Um, Arnautovic obviously came off, didn't he, um, in the Birmingham game? Is he expected to play? What's what's the latest with him? I think he'll play. I think the reason why he came off is his precaution. They didn't want to, his, whatever his back problem is going to get any worse. Um, so I think I, I, I'd be very surprised if he's not in that starting starting lineup. Um, and I think I don't think there'll be many changes. To be fair, I don't think Xander Silva will, will start. But other than that, it could be. I mean, I think um, Fabianski will go back and goal. Mm. Uh, no one really knows where Balbuena is, whether he's injured or not, whether he'll be back. So it's it's going to be interesting. But I'm out of it. Should be spearheading that attack. Um, with probably Lucas Perez coming off the bench. Mm. I fancy he's going to come back with a vengeance. I reckon 3 2. <laughs> 2 for Arnie, 1 for Anderson. I think it's going to be. A well, Anderson, an, on that, Anderson's a player that has tended to, to step up in these big games That's against it. a big Well, he played well season, against Arsenal, didn't he, in, in, yeah. in the earlier game in the yeah. season. But two names that I think could have a big impact this weekend. First of all, Andy Carroll, because of the way that Arsenal are defensively. Got a against them a few seasons ago. I mean, he, yeah. it certainly yeah. has the ability to, to bully them. Yeah. And then Sami Nasri, if he gets an opportunity to play against his former club. It's the sort of game where, I mean, I can't imagine he'll start. If no, he comes, no, I agree. If he comes off the bench, then he, he wants, he'll have something to prove, won't he? Mm. Um, I mean, he's got something to prove anyway. He needs to earn himself a, a longer contract. Feels like he? one of those players that will really relish off that, you know, oh, th- those boos. And I think you could see a good performance. He was points from Sammy Nasri this weekend. He was saying he's been feeling, or he was feeling better than he expected, wasn't he? In mm. his uh, in his minutes, he's got under his belt already. So it's it's, it's one of those games. It's a yeah. bit of a Premier League fairy tale if he does manage to do anything in it. Yeah. yeah, that's what we like to see. Um, chaps, before we leave you this evening, please can I have some score predictions? Uh, James, start with you, please. What do you reckon for this West Ham Arsenal? I go for two one West Ham. Yeah, three uh, two. I think. High scorer. Couple of wins across the board. Uh, chaps, been an absolute pleasure as always. We'll be back next week, same time, correct? Yep, definitely. Brilliant. Yep. Super stuff. Well, enjoy the game, enjoy your week, and we'll see you then. You've been listening to Love Sport Radio. This was the West Ham Fan Show. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Sports Social Podcast Network.